the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Are you ready? It is seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday, the fifth morning of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2024. We've got a very important show for you. We're going to break down everything that you need to know about the disaster that is coming out of the United States Senate and that is going to eventually get voted and passed by the United States Senate and sent over to the United States House of Representatives, where hopefully it will die a very, very swift and painful death. Yes, I'm just calling it a disaster. I don't want to call it a bill. I don't want to call it legislation. It's just trash from the very beginning. But let me lay out the show for you before we get into the details on that. Coming up in a half an hour, as we do each and every uh uh, Monday at this hour, we will talk to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. Yes, he will talk about the disaster. He will talk about the atrocity, whatever it is that you want to call it, <clears throat> uh, that is the uh, border bill that uh, the uh, Senate has put together and released yesterday. So Jim Jordan will talk about that. Also, why he is subpoenaing, subpoenaing Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Lewis, the prosecutor who's going after Trump in Georgia. Why is he subpoenaing her? to testify before the Judiciary Committee. Uh, It's kind of a rhetorical question because I think a lot of us know, and most of us certainly support and agree with that, but uh, I'm going to let him explain what the reasons are and why he is doing that. Coming up at 1010, we are going to talk with Will Hild. He's going to talk about more on Capitol Hill. The Congressional Black Caucus uh, is trying to ram DEI back into corporate America all over. 
as DEI programs fail nationwide, they are doubling down on it. What is going on? Why is the Congressional Black Caucus so dedicated to this? I think we know the answer. But when reality strikes and you see that it is failing and that it is, of course, doing no one any good, it's only putting people in more jeopardy, people of all colors, you kind of wonder, why double down on stupid? But that's what they're doing. And uh, we're going to talk to Will Hold about that. And then at uh, 11.10 this morning, we had we have uh, Bernie Moreno is going to come on. He's a Senate candidate, and he wants to react to the horrible, disastrous border bill as well. And uh, we're going to give him a chance to do that. He threw, out, threw a lot of great quotes out and uh, messages out on Twitter yesterday, as did so many others who are so concerned about it. And uh, we were supposed to have Larry Elder today. Larry Elder... Of course, the um, uh, former Salem host and former gubernatorial candidate in uh, uh, in California was supposed to come on to talk about the Super Bowl. Not the game, but he's really, really incensed that they're going to play one in uh, one week from yesterday a game, and they're going to have the uh, uh, the national anthem played. That's not what bothers him, but they're going to play another one. They're going to have a second version of it, the black national anthem. Larry is not a ha- not happy about that at all. He was supposed to join us from his home in Los Angeles, but as you know, there is severe weather. There is extraordinary. There are extraordinarily high winds, going to be gusting up to ninety miles an hour. Heavy rains. Power is out in a lot of the areas around south- in Southern California right now. So Larry is not going to be able to join us. Hopefully, when this uh, spell ends, this weather spell ends, we will be able to get get, uh, get uh, Larry on a little bit later this week. So uh, that's where we are. Jim Jordan, Will Hild, and Bernie Marino, and of course you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Before we get into the news of the day, and you know where it starts, what do you say we go ahead and get our pledge of allegiance? While we still have a country that we can call our own, let's pledge our allegiance to it by way of its flag. If you are a supporter of surrendering the country by way of that bipartisan piece of crap that uh, was announced yesterday coming out of the Senate that will allow this country to have open borders essentially forever. If you are a supporter of that, then you are not a supporter of the country, so don't fake it. Uh, Go ahead and just announce your real position. Take a knee like the other Marxists over there. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So the real question that I have is, all of these leftists claim that they're all about the environment. Rhino Republicans are very easily manipulated by leftists, also concerned about the environment. So what I want to know is why they would be so cavalier about killing this many trees in order to print this pile of crap that is going to quickly be run through a shredder. I don't know. Maybe the shreddings can be repurposed and recycled, but they killed an awful lot of trees to put together a monstrosity of a border bill so far, it's being counted at 370 pages. That was as it was released last night at 6.40 p.m. Not sure what edits, what um, additions are going to be made to it. But this long-awaited border bill negotiated by Republicans and Democrats in the House, specifically James Langford, the Republican sellout, um, uh, excuse me, in the Senate, not the House, 
Uh, Senator Lankford was the key Republican here who came out and tried to defend this and is trying to defend this, is trying to tell us that this is a good bill, is trying to tell us that this is something that's positive, is trying to tell us that this is, this is going to secure the border. Speaker Mike Johnson uh, is having none of it, as you one would expect, because we already passed a border security bill. Did that nine months ago. Nine months ago, H.R. 2 was passed. H.R. 2 actually did something to secure our southern border, unlike this piece of trash that allows nearly 2 million illegals a year, along with a whole bunch of other giveaways. Again, I say this redundantly, and I know, and I apologize, but if the Democrats love this, it's a bad bill. And the Democrats love this. They can't wait to sign this. They keep telling everybody, let's go. Let's pass this so Biden can sign it. Border security for all. We know that's crap. You know that's crap. They know that's crap. But here we sit trying to figure out how to deal with it. Let me, let me put this in terms that are, that are easy for everybody to understand. Number one, release a bad, horrific, terrible immigration bill. Okay? That you know the Republicans, this is the Democrat strategy, uh, that you know that the Republicans are going to reject. Speaker Johnson has said this thing is DOA before he even gets here. So, so release a bad, 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 horrific immigration and open borders bill that you know the Republicans will, will respond uh, you know, with, with hostility toward. Pass that terrible bill in the Senate where you do have a one-vote majority. Pass it out of the Senate, then send it to the House, which is a slim Republican majority. Republicans will reject it. All Republicans will vote against it, or most of them anyway, an overwhelming number of them will. All of the Democrats will vote for it, and then the the stage is set for campaign 2024. Every single one of them will then be able to say that it's the Republicans who who are opposed to fixing the border. Look, we sent them a bill that fixes the border. Never mind the fact that it doesn't fix the border. Never mind that it doesn't secure the border and stop the flow of the drugs and the human traffickers and the military-age fighting males and terrorists and everything else that are coming across that border, gang members. Never mind the fact that it won't do any of those things. But they're going to say it does. And then when the Republicans reject it, Republicans will wear that. All the way to November. Not just for the White House, by the way. Not just Trump. We'll get into that, too. Not just Trump they're going to try to set up with this, the way they are with the Republicans. But every single House seat that's up for grabs, every single Senate seat that's up for grabs, is going to be measured against this. Well, how did you vote on securing the border, as it will be described? Never mind that it won't be securing the border, but that's how it will be presented. How did you vote on the bipartisan bill? Thank you, James Lankford, for nothing. How did you vote on uh, on that bill to protect and secure the border? If you voted against securing the border, well, then you have to be run. If you voted for securing the border, then we have to elect you or reelect you. That's essentially what they're going to say. But Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, to his credit, is having none of this. This bill, by the way, that would give away... 60-plus billion, more billion, of our dollars to Volodymyr Zelensky and the great grift that is right now Ukraine. Never mind that. It also gives 
um, around $14 billion to Israel for security and aid, which I support. Very different situation there than the one in Ukraine. Uh, another $10 billion, by the way, for Hamas. Let's give the terrorists who are who attacked Israel and who are fighting against Israel right now another $10 billion in aid, too. Oh, they say it's called humanitarian aid for Gaza. Horse cur app. Because we all know that Hamas confiscates and takes over every single element of aid that is brought into that region. So $60 billion for Ukraine, $10 billion for Hamas, 14, uh, excuse me, um, what else do we have here? Uh, $2.44 billion to support central command operations in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden. That's a little bit more important, by the way. That's American security. Uh, and some of the details, mandatory shutdown if the president determines it is necessary of the border, if the daily average hits 5,000 encounters over a seven-day period, or 8,500 in one day, but that is also up to the president's um, opinion, his own evaluation as to whether or not that makes this a critical emergency period. So in other words, it there will be no shutdown. Um Creates new border emergency authority, increases border patrol recruitment, which, again, it is not about border patrol because border patrol are near, merely Walmart greeters at the, at, the, uh, at the southern border. Welcome in. That is, I mean, that is simply ridiculous. Anyway, that's why this ridiculous bill is a non-starter in the, in the House of Representatives, according to the Speaker of, House who, Speaker of the House, who said, we've passed a border security bill already a long time ago. Let's make a couple of things clear here, Kristen. You know, we passed the support for Iran uh, many months ago, three months ago. Uh, immediately after I became Speaker, we sent the necessary resources there. We passed our bill on border security nine months ago. It's been sitting on Chuck Schumer's desk collecting dust ever since. The H.R. 2, which is our, our signature bill right out of the beginning, right out of the blocks, for the House Republican Conference and our Republican majority, would have solved this problem. We would resolve the asylum, the broken asylum system and the broken parole system. We would uh, reinstitute Remain in Mexico, which would stem the flow by probably 70 percent. We would end the, the catch and release, the, the release, the mass releases of illegals into our country that's happened. This border is out of control. All these problems have mounted, and the Senate has been dithering ever since. We yeah. cannot wait anymore. The reason we are going to send the new Israel package over is because the time is urgent, and we have to take care of that responsibility. He's speaking of a standalone $17 billion aid package to Israel, which, again, is a very, very different story, being a, an ally of ours, the only Democratic ally we have in the Middle East. Um, and, of course, what happened to them is, is a game-changer as well. But uh, he, he wanted to throw a $17 billion standalone bill over to take care of Israel, which should be voted on post-haste and should be a not even an issue. Why, of course you support that. Why would you not support that? But instead, they want to tie that to making sure that Zelensky gets more so that they can cover up all of their shenanigans that they had with uh, the Biden family and uh, and uh, Volodymyr Zelensky and, and Ukraine and Ukrainian energy companies and so on and so forth. So they want to link it to that. And then, of course, hold our hostage or excuse me, hold our border hostage at the same time. Now, I also want to play this Speaker Johnson in that same conversation yesterday on Meet the Press with Kristen Welker. Um, was asked about Trump because the narrative that the media in the, and the Democrats, which, as Peter Kirsten, I would say, but I repeat myself, the narrative is 
that Trump is telling Mike Johnson what to do and what not to do with respect to uh, this border bill. That Trump is saying, don't pass it because we don't want to give Biden a win before the election. And we don't want to make it look like Biden was actually doing something right on the border before the election. They're basically saying Trump is influencing Mike Johnson and playing politics over this. Mike Johnson said that, too, is a load of crap. But let me ask you about Donald Trump. He said any Republican who votes for this deal should be ashamed of themselves. You've said you speak to him frequently and that you've discussed this deal with him, quote, at length. Is Donald Trump calling the shots here, Mr. Speaker? Of course not. He's not calling the shots. I am calling the shots for the House. That's our responsibility. And I have been saying this far longer than President Trump has. I have been saying what the requirements are to fix the problem. I don't care if they call the legislation H.R. 2 or not. What we're saying is you have to stem the flow. The the president has executive authority right now. As Congress does this negotiation and and the debate and discussion, the president could stop it. Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act, the Supreme Court has already acknowledged, gives the president broad executive authority. He He could close the border literally overnight. So that's the reality of it. Um, he's right. Biden literally has needs nothing that's in this bill. Nothing to close the border. If he wanted to actually secure the border, he could do so. And by the way, if he did so right now, it would probably help him politically. If he literally shut down the border right now, yes, he would have to explain why he didn't do it a long time ago, of course. But if he actually brought illegal immigration under control right now and embraced some of those policies, he would help him politically. But he knows full well that to help his party, he needs the whole party to have a piece of that pie. He needs the Democrat uh, uh, Democrat Senate, and he needs the Democrats in the House to vote for this so that they can all say, look what we capital W-E, we did uh, for national security and for border security. Because they're all up for re-election, too. Biden doesn't want to just do this by himself. That's why he has to have the Senate run this. That's why he has to have the House vote for this. And away we go. But the truth of the matter is, this is not about Trump. This isn't about Trump calling shots. This isn't about Trump gaining... You know, I mean, yeah, I suppose, you know, if the situation remains as is... The American people are going to have to ask themselves going into 2020, uh, into November, uh, this year's election and going into 2025. They have to ask themselves, who do I trust more to get that border under control in the next four years? And yes, uh, people will look at that and say, well, very clearly Donald Trump, because the numbers show it was a far, far, far better situation in his term than it has been in the Biden term. So that that is true. It would benefit Trump if things stayed the way they are now. But for the Republicans to say, we will do this just to support you, Donald Trump, will let the country continue to suffer for the next nine, ten months Actually, 11 months, if you really think about it, because, you know, we wouldn't be able to change hands or we wouldn't, wouldn't change hands until Inauguration Day 2025. But we'll let another 11 months of, of crossings happen just so we can benefit you. No, they're not doing that. Republicans aren't doing that. 
Republicans are going to oppose this bill because it's a bad bill, not because it might help Donald Trump for the situation to remain as is. It's it, as is. It's a bad bill that's filled with crap, um, and everyone who who votes against this knows that what they are doing is for the betterment of the country, not for the betterment of, betterment of Donald Trump. So the Emergency National Security Supplemental Appropriations Act 2024 is what they're calling this 370-page giant piece of garbage. Um, it is being marked, marketed as a national security bill, but it is in reality a political ploy. The Democrats put this thing out there knowing it's terrible and that the Republicans will reject it, and then they run for the next nine months on all of their elections, all of the elections. The Senate races, the House races, and, of course, the presidential race, all of them saying, we passed a border security bill. The Republicans didn't want it because they, they, all they wanted to do was help their, their leader, Donald Trump. That's what is happening here. It is a political game. All right. That's the opening uh, salvo, the opening look at this thing. We're going to take a time out here. Then we're going to come back with uh, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. We're going to ask him if he's going to run this thing through the paper shredder as fast as I hope he does. And then Mike Johnson will. But then we'll also talk about where it goes from here. So that kind of- All right. We continue now at 936, Always Right Radio and AM 1420. The answer. I've been so saying what the us. requirements are to fix the problem. I don't care if they call the legislation H.R. 2 or not. What we're saying is you have to stem the flow. The, the president has executive authority right now. As Congress does this negotiation and, and the debate and discussion, the president can stop it. Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act, the Supreme Court has already acknowledged, gives the president broad executive but, authority. But he, could, he could close the border literally overnight. But, but he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to close the border overnight because they have political considerations that have to be made in this election year. That Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Now let's welcome the uh, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization Subcommittee member of the Oversight Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, Congressman, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Good to have you, too. So uh, first blush, I know you kind of had an idea what was going to be in this, but yesterday the text was released, 370 pages long. Your first blush reaction to what you've seen? No, no, it, we, we, this is a non-starter. I think the speaker's exactly right. We, we, we suspected it would be this bad. Um, but but to, to, to the speaker's point, and your point, Bob, yeah, the president's not going to do what, he's, what he can do, is what, the, the, what Mike was, the point Mike was making on the Sunday shows yesterday. That's why we, as the Congress, need to say, okay, you're not getting any money, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you're not getting any money to, um, in any way, process or release in the country any new migrants. That, that, you talk about stemming the flow. You tell the federal government, hey, no money can be used to let more people in. It's that simple. And we're at a point where I think the country is 100% on our side to say, time out. No more, no more migrants come in the country. That's what we should focus on. Because when you go talk to the American people, say, oh, HR, and HR2 is a great bill. Most of it came through our, our committee. So it's a great piece of legislation. But the country doesn't know what's in HR2. But the country knows, hey, you've got to stop what's happening. And the best way to do that is say you can't spend any more money to allow more migrants to come into the country. Yeah, that would solve it, because it's very direct and very clear. Um, but that, of course, is a non-starter for them. Uh, they've been letting the H.R. 2 uh, legislation that you guys passed sit for now. I think the speaker said yesterday on TV it's been collecting dust for nine months on Chuck Schumer's desk, and that's true. Yep. He, uh, you know, they don't want to do anything with this. I mean, the strategy here has nothing to do with actually securing the border, right? Because if they wanted to secure it, they would have done it over the last three years at some point in time. But right. it's about releasing something they know that you guys will reject on the House side, then spend the next nine 
nine months crowing about how they passed legislation to secure the border, and the Republicans, in fealty to Donald Trump, wanted to uh, uh, rejected it so that Trump could say, uh, "Look, look how bad Biden has been on the border." Yeah, that you're exactly right. They'll accuse us of playing politics when, in fact, they are when they created the problem. Uh, so we may have to have, and I'm I'm for that. We may have to have this fight where we say we're not going to uh, allow money to be used for for any new processing and releasing in the country of migrants. We may have to have that fight on the appropriations process. Uh, those two bills that are due in four weeks. Um, because Do you I have any support on that actual language? Because you're the only person I've heard say that, and you've repeated it, but I haven't heard the speaker use the, that language. You know, no more well, money it, can be used for uh, the processing of illegals into the country. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you this. We had a hearing last week, and we had the assistant attorney general from Texas, and I ran this by him, ran it by the former attorney general of Arizona, and they were 100% in agreement. Like, that's what has – literally, you can, you, can, you can tweak that language. All I'm saying is stop. No more, no more migrants. Now you can have the the exception for the the per, if, if they got a legal visa, they're coming in. That's a different that's a different situation. Or if they're coming in because they need some emergency surgery. But we know that's not the that, that's not the issue right here. This is just people requesting asylum. Most of them aren't aren't uh, 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 don't meet the definition for getting in the country uh, under our asylum laws. That's what needs to stop, and that that's where you would stop this. 8 million people who've already come into the country in three years and what is 16 days of the Biden administration. Um, that's what has to happen. So I think that so you have to make these, if you're going to go into one of these big political fights here in Congress, I think you have to make the question so clear, so straightforward that everybody gets it. They know there's a problem. Oh, here's a solution. It's that basic, that focused. That's how you win these debates, in my judgment. Yeah, I, I concur, uh, and we do need to make it clear uh, as day for everybody to understand what each side stands for. Um, and I think it's also clear when they have included the word border when referring to Ukraine, which one is their priority? Uh, Representative yeah. Scott Perry pointed this out on Twitter last night. The funds made available in the pre- – this is a quote. This is a line from the actual bill that funds made available in the preceding proviso may be made available to support the state border guard service of Ukraine and national police of Ukraine. (laughs) And I'm just here. I mean, I know they want, and I know there is bipartisan support of giving more money to Ukraine, but for goodness sakes, they're literally saying that border, we're willing to throw $60 billion toward, but our border, we're not willing to change policies to protect. Yeah, it just, again, underscores how, how ridiculous the left is uh, and, and this administration. Um, you, you know, I, I go back to this many times. I was, I was in, in, I'm speaking this past weekend, and I said, said in, this, in the speech that, uh, you know, when Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave the response a year ago to the State of the Union, and she, she, she made the point that divide in America today is normal versus crazy. And you can go down the list, and this is just one more of the crazy positions, policy positions that the left, uh, takes and the left, of course, now controls the Democrat Party. So um, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense to to good common sense folks in 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 our great state and across this great country. But that's that's where the Biden administration is. So here's the real question, Congressman Jordan. Um, if, if you guys hold fast, and you better uh, on the House side, and the Democrats on the on the Senate side are not going to budge on HR two, uh, and there's no meeting of the minds or some sort of a blend of this thing and that thing. The next nine months are going to be the next 11 months, really, until January 20th of 2021 are going to be the same thing we have had. An average of two to three hundred thousand more crossings per month are going to continue. Is that acceptable as we as we kind of have this stare down and this stalemate? 
Of course it's not acceptable, but that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, they, the Biden administration may try to do something because I do think politically this is not good for them. You know, the top issues now are, are immigration and the economy, and those both play towards Republicans because this administration has been so bad. But as I've said now for, for weeks, we're on pace to hit 12 million. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the equivalent of our entire state. You know this, Bob. That, that we're the seventh largest state in the country. We're almost 12 million people in the great state of Ohio. That's what they're, this administration is going to allow into the country uh, in, in a four-year time frame. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is serious. But I don't, see them, I don't see them doing anything because they've intentionally created it. They must want this for some reason. I don't know what that is. My, my gut tells me it's some political motivation. Which is sad, but um, you know, I, 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 I can't, I can't figure out what else it might be. Senator Lankford spent a good, spent a great deal of time this morning on Fox trying to defend this and to say this is the best thing that we can have right now. How do you, what is your response to the senator's statements? Yeah, I just, I mean, Mr. Lankford's a good man. I served with him in the House. He's a solid, solid individual. I just totally disagree with what what's what's come out uh, and 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 his assessment of it. Um, you know, there was three people in this working group. Um, you know, Senator, Senator Sinema is an independent, but she, she, she was a Democrat. So you got basically two Democrats and one Republican. And it, it looks like to me that it, uh, the, the agreement obviously favors more what the, what the, uh, what the Democrat party thinks need to happen versus what I think common sense Americans think need to happen. But so I just respectfully disagree with, uh, with the Senator. You had um, a group of illegal, it, it, just to kind of bring this to Main Street, you know, we're talking about everything that happens down there on the border, but uh, as you saw what happened in uh, Manhattan, you know, last week, uh, yeah. a, gang, a yeah. gang of illegals Terrible. beat the crap out of two cops and were immediately released by Alvin Bragg. Well, we don't really know exactly who they are. It's hard to tell who they all are from the videos, so they let them go. No bail. I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but they were already gone to California. They've already hopped the bus. Um, but but we between not holding them accountable for crimes committed again against American citizens in this case police officers uniformed cops are crying aloud between that and the fifty three million dollar new pilot program that they unveiled in Manhattan where they're giving illegal alien families thousand uh, dollar prepaid credit cards to use at their disposal while American veterans continue to suffer and struggle unemployable due to PTSD nobody's ever offered them fifty three million million dollars. I mean, it's more than just the border security, Congressman Jordan. It's about what happens with these migrants when they get here. It's a free-for-all. Yeah, and and to Alvin Bragg, remember, we went there a year ago and talked about the crazy level of crime and what Alvin Bragg was doing. He was spending more time going after President Trump on some ridiculous charge and not not dealing with the, the rampant crime that exists, not just in his city, but across across the, the country in major urban areas. Um that's how ridiculous, again, the left has become. They'll do whatever it takes to go prosecute, quote, political crime uh, and go after their political enemies. But when it comes to protecting the citizens who pay their salary, oh, my goodness, they're going to let these, these guys who did these terrible things to police officers, they're going to let them, they're gonna, they're gonna let them out. And as you say, it looks like they've already you know, uh, ran, ran, off to, uh, ran off to California. So, again, yeah, with we're, taxpayer we're money in their pockets. Yeah, we plan on doing a, 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 a series of, of hearings around the country and some of these, um, we've, we've done one in Chicago, one in uh, New York, and we're looking to do some others to just highlight just how ridiculous these DAs are. Um, and another another great example is, is Bonnie Willis with the with the political motivation down there. So, 
We'll get to um, her in a second, yeah, because yeah, I know you've subpoenaed her, and that's a huge, huge story. We're going to ask about that. But just real quick, last thing on this bill, and technically this shouldn't be a part of the bill, the Israeli uh, uh, um, uh, aid and, and security support uh, supplemental, because Speaker Johnson yeah. uh, said we need to do this as a standalone. What, $17 billion, I think, uh, stand- it's about the only yeah. thing in that bill that I would agree with is sending money to Israel, right. not to Gaza, which is confiscated. All aid and supplies and money is confiscated by Hamas. That's a different element of this, but the 17 direct to Israel is about the only part of this I support. Is that going to be a non-starter for them, do you think? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm for that, too. Uh, and, and, and Speaker Johnson indicated he's gonna, he wants to pull that out and just do that as standalone, as you indicated. I, I'm 100% for that. You help your friends. Uh, you know when the money goes to Israel, the money is actually going to be used in an in, in Iron Dome, David Sling. It's going to be used in these weapon systems to, to stop the bad guys. Um, so, uh, where, where with Ukraine, I don't know that First, we don't know what the, the, the full objective is there, uh, and we know that some of that money is winding up, I believe, in oligarchs' pockets versus actually being used to, to defend. So uh, I'm all for helping Israel and support what, what the speaker's doing there. We'll just have to see. But my guess is it goes to the Senate, and the Senate will continue to play their games. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right, but it's a very common-sense approach. It is a standalone bill that should not have anything to do with anything happening in Eastern Europe or certainly at our southern border. The Israel situation is its own element, so I agree with you 100% yep. on that. Okay, let's talk about Fonnie Willis. This was a, a big bombshell uh, at the end of last week. We saw that you went ahead and subpoenaed her to testify before the Judiciary Committee. What are you looking to find out? Well, we're actually looking to get information relative to... Um, $14.6 million federal taxpayer dollars went to the Fulton County DA's office. And in light of all the stuff that's come out about what Bonnie Willis was doing, how she was using the money, the, the almost $700,000 she paid to Nathan Wade uh, over a 26-month time frame to have him participate in the investigation, the trips he made to D.C., it looks like he talked with the Justice Department, potentially the White House and, and the January 6th committee. We want to know how federal dollars, if federal dollars in it, uh, were used, and if so, how are they used? Um, we want an accounting for that. And we've written her a number of times, and she just continues to tell, tell us nothing, basically give us the finger. And so we said, okay, we're going to subpoena any records, any information, any emails relative to that question about this, the, the expenditure of federal dollars that you received in different grant programs. And now there's a whistleblower, if you've seen the, the, if you've seen the story, who's come forward and said, it looks like Bonnie Willis has misused grant money. So uh, I think all the more appropriate that we sent that subpoena last week. Yeah, I, I I would concur. Um, they're they're saying that this has nothing to do with uh, with any uh, you know uh, uh, wrongfully used expenditures of federal dollars and so forth. This is just an attempt to try to detract and and to stop her from prosecuting President Trump. Uh, it's a hundred percent political and, and defense. Same thing they're saying about the border. Of course, is is you know you're trying to trying to uh, protect and preserve Trump's chances to be reelected. How do you respond to the fact or to their allegations that this is political interference? <laughs> For these guys to accuse us of being political, when when you when you have a whistleblower who's went public in a, in a news story and said that there was a misuse of federal funds, federal grant dollars, when you have seven hundred thousand money being paid to some outside counsel with this questionable, you know, that this who knows what the relationship was, but you have that going, all that going on, and of course the fact that they've been going, they've literally made made the objective to go after the opponent of the Democrat president go after the number one opponent, the guy leading in the polls, President Trump, and accuse us of being political is pretty, pretty rich. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just look, our job is to do our job, and that's what we're going to do. 
uh, and they can say what they want. I think right now any objective observer steps back and looks at the situation with Bonnie Willis and Fulton County DA, and they said if, if they're going to say who's being political, they're probably going to say it's Bonnie Willis. Yeah, well, I would think anybody objectively would say that as well. But then again, we're talking about American voters, and not, they're not always objective, particularly given what the media will tell them about what's going on, uh, in spite of what you are telling us right now. Last question for you. Um, the ele- the uh, uh, precision strikes that we are making against uh, Iran-backed uh, terror groups and proxies and so forth in response to the killing of three Americans and the injuring of dozens of others and the targeting of U.S. bases. Um, obviously, there's a debate on Capitol Hill right now about how much is too much how far to go to make the point that we will not accept their targeting of American citizens and soldiers. Um, where are you on that, what we've done thus far, and how much more do you support? No, I mean, I think, I think there had to be a response when you, uh, three, three brave Americans tragically had their lives taken by, by these, these terrorists. Um, there had to be a response. I, I, I tend to focus, and I think most, of, most people do, on, on the bigger concern, and that is the weakness projected from the Oval Office and what led to this, this, these terrible actions uh, against our, our troops in the first place. Uh, it's because Joe Biden projects weakness. And you know, this, to me, I think is going to be a fundamental issue in the campaign, where you compare President Trump and, and the strength he projected as commander-in-chief versus Joe Biden. President Trump, I think two, two key things set the stage relatively early on in his administration. When he took out Soleimani and sent a message, and when he put the embassy in Jerusalem and told everyone, like, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I mean, it, 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 that laid the, those things laid the groundwork for the Abraham Accords, and I think, frankly, set a context and a framework for, for people not messing with the United States and the United States' interests uh, in, in the Trump administration like they have been, uh, unfortunately, doing in the Biden administration. That, to me, is, is the key, key difference, and I think that will come through loud and clear over the course of the next several months as we, uh, as we get deeper into this campaign. Yeah, I, I certainly hope it is loud and clear. And uh, and I and you know again the the difficulty here is deciding how much to strike back in defense of our soldiers and uh, and to not look weak as you say, but without also escalating things to the point where you, where where we end up in a in an actual war with with Iran, where we actually have to go into Tehran or bomb yep. Tehran and those kinds of things. And well, the big thing is you side. don't you don't take off the sanctions. I mean, you, you don't you don't go back on this this crazy Iran deal like uh, back into that like like Biden. I mean, that all that sent the wrong message and. and Empowered and frankly gave Iran resources, money to to support the crazy, bad things that are happening. So, but that that's the left. That's Biden. You know, they think by being somehow you be nice to bad guys, everything's going to work out. And it's not that way. You have to demonstrate strength to bad guys uh, if you want to stop them. And that's exactly correct. Very well said, Congressman Jim Jordan is our guest. Thank you so much for the time, sir. We you appreciate bet. it very much. Keep up the good work. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks, Bob. Take care. Uh, there's there's Jim Jordan. It's uh, nine fifty four. So. Um, yeah, that's a lot of ground, and obviously there are no easy answers to this. The sad reality is, is when I asked Jim Jordan uh, about you know whether or not it's acceptable that if we just continue status quo for the next nine months, and he said, well, of course it's not acceptable, but it is going to be accepted. That makes sense. It's not acceptable, but we're going to accept it, and and we kind of have to. Because if we're going to force Joe Biden's hand to use the tools at his disposal, Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, if we're going to demand that he use that, we're going to have to stand here and take some of the lumps. We're going to have to take another 250, 300,000 coming across in February and another 250,000 coming across in, in, in March and all the way through the end of this year. 
Because if the left won't bend on HR2, which is a real border security tool that requires the building of the wall, it requires the building or the um, uh, reimposition of the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, among other things, uh, it gets rid of catch and release and so forth. If the left won't bend, the Democrats won't bend on HR2, and the right conservatives don't bend, Republicans don't bend on this ridiculous nonsense that they, they're coming out with that they released yesterday, then we have a stare, stare down. And while we're staring at each other and while we're, you know, posturing, another 250,000 just came in, another 250,000 just came in. And more and more veterans aren't being fed and, and housed. And that's not just veterans, but, but people in need in some of our uh, largest sanctuary city communities won't get any services because the government is going to prioritize the illegal ends over the Americans. And it's just going to continue for the next, again, like I said, 11 months, technically, because it's going to go all the way to January 20th of 2025, and that's God willing Trump wins. That's God willing. We did get some good news in polling, by the way, about that, treating Biden in the most recent survey from NBC, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. But you understand the point here. In the best-case scenario, Trump wins, and then in January of 2025, we change the policies back. But that's another 11 months of, 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 like I said, American citizens suffering, losing money, taxpayers continuing to fund illegal aliens who are here not to just be Americans, but to bring America to its freaking knees. And we're paying for it. So I asked him, Is that acceptable? Of course it's not acceptable, but yet we're going to accept it, aren't we? All right, we've got a top of the hour break coming. We'll get some news. We're going to come back. We'll pivot a little bit here. We've got a conversation about DEI coming with Will Hild, and uh, uh, it's an important one. We're not going to trivialize that in any way, shape, or form. It's an important one. I'm looking forward to that conversation. We're going to talk to Bernie Moreno about this border disaster a little bit later this morning, and, of course, we want to talk to you, too. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, hour number two underway. It's eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday. It's the fifth morning of the second month of the month of division in the year of our Lord, 2024. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks to Jim Jordan. If you missed anything he had to say about the border bills released yesterday, the text of this uh, disaster, uh, if you missed any of that, go ahead and listen to it after the show. About uh, an hour after the show, you can find it at whkradio.com on the podcast page, whkradio.com. So we've got what? Eight, nine million illegals who have already come across. They're coming across now at a rate of around two to two fifty to three hundred thousand a month. That's going to continue. So we've got all kinds of drugs pouring in. We've got all kinds of human traffickers coming in. We've got all kinds of cartel uh, activity. We've got all of this happening at our own southern border. Meanwhile, from the streets to the corporate boardrooms where people are making decisions on how you can get a job in a company <clears throat> all across America. Based on what you look like, based on things that are completely 100% out of your control, things in your control are things like, you know, academics, performance, work ethic, results. Those are things you can control. 
but you can't control what color you are. You can't control what sex you, well, that's not, you can't control what sex you are. Let's declare that right out, right off the rip. You can't declare. Although some people can identify as a different sex that can give them a leg up in the battle for jobs. But the bottom line is diversity, inclusion, and equity take precedence over merit and meritocracy in corporate America today. And what we found, or at least not what we've found, but what Will Hild has found with the consumer, with the consumers' research, uh, is that the Congressional Black Caucus on Capitol Hill is more concerned with what people look like when they apply for jobs than what they than what their qualifications are, and they are pushing some of the largest companies in America to make sure that their DEI credibility uh, is reached that their DEI policies are being implemented uh, at the levels that they demand. Joining us now is the Executive Director of Consumers Research, Will Hill, to tell us all about this. Uh, Will, thank you for the time this morning. How are you? Doing well. Great to be with you. So the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, is exerting their their uh, considerable influence on Fortune 500 companies, telling them what, Will? Well, there's sent every C-suite of every Fortune 500 company a letter that basically demanded to know what they're doing. This is a long letter. It adds like nine pages worth of questions in detail what they're doing to expand and bolster their DEI program. This is coming at a time when DEI is actually on the decline. There's been mass layoffs across uh, DEI departments in corporate America as they found how destructive um, and counterproductive these programs are. And so you see the CBC trying to kind of ride to, to the defense of these DEI programs, despite the fact that they're illegitimate and don't really do anything for either the corporation or for its customers. Well, what they do, though, is they help meet quotas, and that's the entire goal of DEI, isn't it? That, that's exactly correct. These DEI programs, I, I like to say that they're cancerous, both in the pejorative term sense of the word, but also in the technical sense. They don't exist to do anything. Much like a cancer cell, it doesn't serve a purpose in the body, except to grow itself, and to gain more and more dominion over the corporation. And that's, that's how these DEI programs work. They don't serve consumers. They take the focus of the company away from making great products for the people that want to buy them. And they don't help the shareholders because they're just a net drag. Uh, there's personnel you don't need. Um, and, they, and they create an environment within the corporation that's often hostile and, and sick because it's, it divides people based on race and sex and pushes the idea that one group is, you know, worse than the other, um, which is the kind of thing I thought in America we were we tried to get a, away from, um, and yet these these folks want to put that back in there because it, effectively it's a jobs program, it's a grift, and it's collapsing, and so they're trying to do what they call regulation by raised eyebrow, where they look at these corporations and they say, you know, we're, we can't tell you to do this, but if you don't, it's sort of implied, you know, bad things will happen, and so that's that's sort of what this letter is really about. What kinds of things can happen if a company isn't meeting to the sufficient standards of, I don't know who, the, the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus themselves, or, or uh, you know, different legislators, or who, who would be responsible for making those bad things happen, and, and who are they? That's a great question. Well, unfortunately, we have a myriad of agencies inside the federal government that can bring down all kinds of problems for, uh, for, for these companies, whether it's the EEOC, they could, you know, uh, investigate them for labor practices, they could have a issue with a completely different type of, of agency, like, you you know, people could make calls from the CBC over to the EPA uh, or to the DOL. Uh, 
And there's also unfavorable treatment when they come on the Hill. You know, the idea could be, listen, we're not going to listen to your lobbyists about issues that are, you know, about tax issues or, or regulations that have nothing to do with DEI. The implication is if you don't answer us the way we like to hear, all kinds of bad things can be done to you by the Congressional Black Caucus. We're talking to Will Hill, the executive uh, director of Consumers Research. So, um, you, you know, you said it's something we've been moving, uh, you know, away from in terms of uh, discrimination on the basis of race and so on and so forth. We did more than move away from it. We passed a, a law. We passed the Civil Rights Act that says a person cannot be denied employment or cannot have their uh, their evaluation of, of, of their ability, uh, you know, for employment or, or qualifications based upon race and sex and, 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 and other, you know, again, characteristics that are completely immutable, that are not uh, uh, not able to be determined or, 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 or changed by an individual. It's the law. So how can the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, a group of legislators be demanding that companies violate the law, quite literally, by discriminating when they make hiring decisions based on race. Yeah, that's a great question, and, that, and that's really what the companies are. The situation these companies find themselves in is part of the reason that this DEI complex is falling apart. Is because it's starting to lead to all kinds of labor uh, law litigation. It's not going very well for these corporations. There was a a health system in North Carolina last year that I think had to pay $10 million because they fired a white executive explicitly to increase their diversity numbers or replace him with uh, uh, a person of color, as they say, and and someone uh, uh, a female. And and that's illegal. You can't do that in the United States. The Supreme Court also just reaffirmed that it's illegal to do this in admissions for universities. And that was kind of it, – it, it gets complicated because it didn't actually – technically applies to corporations, but that was the fig leaf of jurisprudence that a lot of people were using to say that corporations could engage in this kind of discrimination. And now they don't even have that. Corporations are falling all over themselves to extricate themselves from this disaster. And so you're 100% right. I mean, the Congressional Black Caucus is basically trying to to uh, uh, force, or, or I should say, uh, cajole these corporations into engaging behavior that's not only illegal, but potentially open them up to hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in in uh, litigation costs and, and judgment. So it, it's pretty incredible, but that's, that's why they felt the need to send this letter, is because corporations, rightly so, are extricating themselves from this DEI nonsense. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Section 703 right now of the Civil Rights Act. Um, discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And origin. It shall be unlawful employment practice for an employer to, one, fail or refuse to hire or to discharge, and this goes to the example you just gave, any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation terms, conditions, or privilege of, privileges of employment because of an individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. I mean, it, that's Section 703A, subset 1. It's right there in black and white, and I would like somebody to call them out for it. Now, what is consumers research? What do you guys do? You did the research. That's great. You found this out. Do you have the ability to discuss and talk with members of Congress about any of these things to ensure that the type of uh, unconstitutional and illegal discrimination that's taking place is is curtailed? Absolutely. And that's really what we do. Consumers research is the nation's oldest consumer protection organization. Our job is to educate consumers about their interest in the marketplace but also, more importantly, to amplify their voice in that marketplace. And that's what we've really been doing against this woke capitalism thing. We've got an ongoing multimillion-dollar ad campaign that calls out woke corporations 
uh, and and we uh, liaison with elected officials across the country routinely and are pushing back on both DEI and ESG, these twin uh, scams that are being run on the American consumer. So people who would like to learn more can visit us at consumersresearch.org. That's consumersresearch.org. And one last thing we've got, uh, if you would like to get involved, because we always want to empower consumers, it's not about our organization taking the lead. It's about us empowering consumers. We've got something called Woke Alerts, which is a weekly text, uh, text message subscription service where we will send you each week the companies that are going, the companies that's gone woke that week or the, the, the kind of the worst of the bunch. And we always make sure to include customer service information, both email and phone, so that consumers can push back on these companies. They are here. 2023 was the year of the consumers taking charge with Anheuser-Busch and Target and Disney. We want to continue that in 2024 so we can get rid of DEI and ESG and all this woke nonsense, get corporations back on focusing on their true job, which is you, the consumer. Yeah, I think that's very well, uh, very well said, and that's a, that's an important thing to note. If if I can, before you go, just because I'm curious, you said it's nine pages long. This letter filled with questions to all of the CEOs and and other uh, executives at these companies uh, to ensure that they are following and meeting whatever DEI guidelines are set. Can you can you give me an example? What are some of the things they're asking them? Well, one of the things they they asked is, what are you doing specifically to increase the amount of diversity in your workforce? Which is very close to asking for a race or sex-based quota, which, as you noted, is completely illegal. Um, And in fact, uh, Mark Cuban, the famous or infamous billionaire who's been pushing back for DEI and saying that uh, in one of his recent tweets, he said that, you know, race can be a component in their consideration. It shouldn't be the primary one, but it should be something that you can consider. And Andrea Lucas, the EEOC commissioner, this is the person in charge of one of these agencies in, in making sure that companies are following that uh, portion of the Civil Rights Act that you read out loud, tweeted back at him and said, no, that is 100% false. It is black-letter law. You cannot consider – race cannot be any element of consideration in the employment or promotion of somebody. And so that's exactly what the Congressional Black Caucus is asking is, t- tell us how you are including race and sex in your considerations of employment. It's, it's a bizarre – it's a bizarre letter coming from Congress people because they're basically asking, "Tell us more about how you're breaking the law." It's, it's very strange. Yeah, that, that's that's a very, that's a great way to phrase, phrase that and frame that. Tell us more specifically of what you are doing to break the law as we want you to do. Uh, I mean, that really is what they're what they are telling them. And and by the way, if there are two equal equally qualified candidates for a job. And that could mean exceptionally qualified, both of them on the same grade point average, the same years of experience in this business, and, and same results in their marketing or their sales, whatever it is that they do. They're equal uh, in terms of their excellence, or they're equal in their mer- their uh, um, mediocrity. Either way, if, if it comes down to them, one of them is one color and the other, the other is another color, to follow the law in, in reality, they would have to decide that based on a coin flip. Right, a CEO would, would would be better off if they're following the law, flipping a coin to say between these two individuals which one gets the job. What the CBC and others are saying is no, no coin flip. Give it to the black guy, as a matter of fact, or, or the, the 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 minority because it's not just black; it's the minority, whether it be by sex, national origin, religion, blah blah blah. But give it to the give it to the minority rather than do something objective like a coin flip. That, that's exactly right. They are wanting to insert race and sex back into the consideration for hiring and promotion, and that is just flatly illegal under the Civil Rights Act and should be. Uh, we, we put this to bed 40, 50, 60 years ago now, and uh, for some reason the Congressional Backlog just wants to put it back into to the way corporate America runs. 
Yeah. And, and you know what's worse about this, too, Will, is the scenario I just gave is highly unlikely that everybody's going to be exactly the same. But what they're demanding is, is that even if they're not equally qualified, but if one is superior to the other, but that superior one happens to be a member of the majority of the race, sex, or national origin or religion or what have you, and the other one is inferior in terms of their qualifications, give it to them anyway because DEI, diversity, matters more. That's 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 exa- that's exactly right, and that's one of the reasons why this is so bad for consumers. Because the idea in any company is you want to find the best people you can. You can't always get you know Albert Einstein to run every portion of a company, but you want to find the person that's the best fit because you're trying to provide the best services at the lowest possible price for your consumers so you can grow your business. And instead, what DEI tells you to do is is uh, focus on sex and race over competence. And what, what is, regardless of what race you are, regardless of what sex you are, you should care about this because you are a consumer most of all. The vast majority of your day, you will spend buying gasoline, driving in a car you bought, uh, using, using electricity that someone, someone generated. We are consumers a thousand times a day. And when you start putting people in place and jobs, not based on their competence, but on these other factors, you degrade the quality of, of those of those products because you're not selecting for competence. You're, you're selecting for something else. And that's why it's illegal, and that's why it's not a good idea. Yeah, and, and competence should be the bare minimum standard, by the way, because in many of the cases, consumers need excellence from the people uh, you know, that they are getting services or products from. Excellence. And again, you can talk about what United Air is doing. They're going to, you know, what, 50% of their... Uh, New hires are going to be either minorities or female, uh, regardless of their qualifications. It's going to be, you know, they, they have to be competent. But when I, when I've got a, you know, and I've got a, a, a jet trying to handle turbulence and all kinds of other potential things up there with 300 people on board, I don't want competence. I want excellence. I want the best person for that job to be up there handling that, not somebody who met, uh, uh, you know, a beauty contest, who met the qualifications of a beauty contest to, to the point, of course, being whatever somebody looks like, the color or the, uh, you know, or, or the sex or what have you, as opposed to that excellence. So it's competence should be the bare minimum standard, but oftentimes that's not enough either. And DEI guarantees that we will not have excellence in some of those crucial, crucial positions that consumers uh, need. Um, Will Hild, uh, Executive Director of Consumers Research. Uh, where can people learn more about Consumers Research again? Absolutely. Well, they can visit us online at consumersresearch.org, and they can follow me on Twitter for more news like what we just broke at Will Hild at W-I-L-L-H-I-L-D. I just started following you last night. Good advice. Will, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. All right, there you go. That's uh, that's Will Hild, Consumers Research. You understand? I mean, this isn't ambiguous. The law is clear as day. Discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Section 703A, it shall be unlawful, uh, unlawful employment practice for an employer to, one, fail or refuse to hire or to discharge any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment because of such individuals' race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. What the Congressional Black Caucus is doing is literally saying, screw that, discriminate, be discriminatory. Discriminate on behalf of black people. 
specifically black people, even though this is about race, sex, and all of the other characteristics I just described. In the letter that was sent to these businesses, these Fortune 500 companies that Will was talking about, the Congressional Black Caucus specifically called on the businesses to advance the agenda, stating, and I quote, the journey in front of us requires corporate America to help drive an agenda that will power black economic mobility. So they were very specific. While they're encouraging the breaking of the law in discriminating for or against people based on what they look like or whatever their characteristics are, the one that matters the most to them as the Congressional Black Caucus is, of course, blackness. So they're they're outwardly and and publicly declaring their their desire to break the law and to encourage all of these uh, keeping you informed the uninformed always right radio with bob france on the answer all right we are in business um Uh, phone lines are open for you right now at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 uh, when I say we are in business, this is your chance. I've got uh, Bernie Marino waiting for us at the top of the hour, so uh, this is a really best chance for you to call. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. want to know, quite obviously, <clears throat> um, what you want to see your legislators do. You just heard Jim Jordan talk about it at length with me. Uh, what do you want to see our legislators do? Do you want? I, I tried to reach Senator Vance, by the way, for this morning. Couldn't get him. Uh, but hopefully we'll get him sometime sooner rather than later this week. Uh, what do you want to see Senator Vance do on that side? What do you want to see the uh, uh, House Republicans do on the other side? Knowing full well that if you say, block this, vote against this, stop this, run that paper through a shredder, and then run that shredder through a larger shredder, and then run that shredder through a larger shredder, which is, I think, something I saw in The Simpsons once with Mr. Burns, um, if that's what you want to do, are you okay with, let's see, we're averaging around 250, 275,000 a month that have been coming across. So over the course of the next, uh, 10 months, that's what 2.75 or so million. So 11 months. So pu- pushing closer to 3 million more illegals by the time January 20th of 25 comes. If we have a showdown, a stare down, a stalemate, call it what you will, between the House, which passed H.R. 2, and the Senate hasn't taken it up, and the Senate is going to pass this in all likelihood because they have a one-vote majority, and the House isn't going to take it up, if we have that stare down, nothing changes between now and January of 2025. If, and I'm being devil's advocate here, if the House goes ahead and approves this deal, um, the most that could come across in a perfect situation, in a perfect scenario, and I don't think there's anything perfect about it, don't get me wrong, but the only possible good that could come from it is it would be capped at $1.8 million. Now, this wouldn't even take effect for 90 days. See, you know what? I think we can scrap that whole concept now that I'm thinking about it because uh, according to what I read this morning, it's 90 days. It would take. They would have 90 days to set up the apparatus, if you will, for this new uh, border you know, control policy to even take place. So now that takes us into, you know, what, uh, May, I guess. Um, and, uh, 
so so the numbers are going to continue at the rate they are for the next three months minimum, and then of course we would have the one point eight from there. So it, 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 I, it there's no way I can't find another way a way to make this possible. Uh, possibly uh, sound appealing enough to accept. We have to demand that our leaders put their foot down and say, you know what, what's going to happen is going to happen over the next 11 months, but we absolutely must change this. And here's another element of this, as I said to Jim Jordan, and what they are saying, they're trying to continue to advance this room. Mike Johnson's in the pocket of Donald Trump. He's just trying to do this because Trump wants him to. Wants him to. Trump said that he wants to uh, uh, make sure that nobody votes for this because it'll be a win for Biden, and they don't want Biden to have a win because he's running against him. No, 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 no. That's that's the wrong that's the wrong uh, uh, attitude. It's also just incorrect on its face because the reality is if they were to pass this thing it's not about biden getting a victory honestly if they were to pass this thing it would not do what it is promising to do number one and number two it also green lights 60 billion dollars to ukraine another 60 billion we have already given them over a hundred billion dollars this is not our war it's not a nato war it's a regional war And it's one that nations in the region should be funding if they want to support Ukraine. If they're worried about Vladimir Putin coming anywhere else, it's the nations in Eastern Europe should should pay for it. How about if Zelensky and his own country pay for their own war themselves? There's another element to this. It's not just our border. It is another $60 billion in what is a bottomless pit because Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer have agreed, however what, however much it takes for however long it takes. And they never finish the sentence. However much it takes for however long it takes means a bottomless, a bottomless, bottomless pit blank check for in perpetuity because there's no defined end to the war. Which is very different, by the way. It stands in contrast with Israel and the aid that we are talking about giving Israel, which is a fraction of what has already been given to Ukraine. We're talking about, what, $17 billion as opposed to what would eventually be $160 billion for Ukraine. But there is a defined goal there. They are going into Gaza, and they are going to blow up every single terror tunnel that they can find, and they are going to root Hamas out, root and branch, until there is new government and new power structure in Gaza to stop them from attacking Israel again in the future. It is a very, very direct, and there is a very, very clear end to it. Gaza is not even that large of a, of a region, obviously. What are we talking about here? 25, 30 square miles? That can be done. There is a definable end to that conflict. If we give money to that, it's very, very different than giving it to the bottomless pit that is the Ukraine conflict, or the Ukraine war. 216-901-0945. So all of those things have to be considered when you look at this bill that is being uh, pushed out right now. Uh, Joanna's in Twinsburg wants to get in first. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. You know, besides the funding for Ukraine and Israel, I mean, Ukraine is ridiculous. But what people need to understand, too, is if this passed, this would change border law, would tie to President Trump's hands, which is exactly what Langford and Mitch McConnell and all the never-Trumpers want to do because they're afraid he's going to win. I mean, this would change law. The Immigration Act would 
be null and void, pretty much. I mean, you know, and that's what people need to realize is this is all to stop Trump if he wins. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this would just completely change everything. His hands would be tied to fix anything, which Biden can do right now. I don't know that I necessarily agree with all of that. Um, I don't think that all of these rhino Republicans are trying to specifically hamper Trump if he wins, uh, because that would be counterproductive. The benefit of it, Bob. Let's face it, well, and they de- know it. It depends on what you mean by benefit. How does it benefit them? Well, to them, I mean, for them, it's their added benefit, not to us, and not yeah. to the people. But I mean, even how does I it mean, benefit? How does it benefit them? How does unchecked? How does unchecked illegal immigration? They don't want them to have any say so over any of this. Okay, so they want the, so they so, so, so you say hold on hold on hold on Joanne 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 mm-hmm. we can't talk Go over ahead. each other you got to give me breathing room here okay how <laughs> does it benefit them to have the country overrun to the point where we're bursting at the seams and all of these things are happening it literally destroys the country you're basically saying that the country or that uh, the rhinos want to stop Trump more than they want to actually have a country I believe that of the leftists. I, and I do believe there well, are believe rhinos that, that have the rhinos too. Well, I, well, see, that's what I'm saying. That's where I don't know if I necessarily yeah. think that they want to sell out the right. entire country and to allow it to be overrun with criminal aliens and and military age males from the Middle East and from China and all of these things, all because they don't like Trump because he's you know he's yeah. he's orange man well, bad. I, I don't know that that's the thing here, and I also don't think necessarily that that, that if this. Uh, monstrosity were to pass that it couldn't be undone uh when trump gets back in and because of here's the thing i think you probably agree with this if trump wins in november um the turnout for the republicans is going to be massive and if trump wins in november that turnout is also going to have a huge down ballot impact that's going to give us a much stronger majority in the house and probably a simple majority in the senate and then we can go back there and undo anything that is passed here anyway i i don't think there's any way one happens without the other we're not going to have the democrats win the down ballot races but trump win or biden uh win the them uh republicans win the down ballot uh, races but biden wins re-election i don't think that's going to happen if, we, if we're going to win we're going to win the whole damn thing and if that happens then this thing would be null and void anyway, and the Immigration and Nationality Act would take effect as always. Then it is about the border. I think the border part of this is to try to shut people up, but it's not the right solution. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I feel bad for the people of Ukraine, but you know what? It's not what we're in debt up to our eyeballs. I know. <laughs> this is this is not. I mean, and to me, this is a way to push the money into Ukraine, which for some reason, all these, you know, never Trumpers, the McConnells, the Langford, you know, John Thune, the rest of them are all for. And, you know, they say, oh, look at this great border solution. I saw Langford this morning on Newsmax. It was a joke was an absolute joke yeah i saw him this morning on fox too and he was a joke there yeah. too and brian brian kill challenged him a little bit too but uh, and thank you joanne for the call i appreciate it we sure. get some other folks in here too uh but uh yeah but uh he continued to say no it doesn't do it. he tried to claim that this uh this does not allow five thousand uh crossings a day five thousand encounters a day well guess what it i mean it's in the language we have people looking through this rep uh, um um ryan gadursky uh, Gurdusky, excuse me, uh, tweeted this late last night after 
Lankford tweeted, no, this is a complete lie. Don't believe what you see on Facebook. Read the bill. It doesn't allow 5000 a day. Well, Gerdusky uh, literally did a screenshot of the bill. And it's on page, well, I can't see the page. Yeah, 212 uh, out of 370. Under mandatory activation, the secretary shall activate the border emergency, that's uh, uh, emergency authority if, section 1, subsection 1, during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 5,000 or more aliens who are encountered each day. Or on any one calendar day, a combined total of 8,500 or more aliens are encountered. It's right there. He's telling us, well, don't just believe what you see on Facebook. This is what uh, uh, Lankford said. Um, believe what's actually in the bill. Well, it's there. Stop trying to gaslight us. Try, stop trying to tell us things that are quite obviously not true to try to advance your agenda. It just is so painfully uh, embarrassing, and it's so dangerous, moreover. Diane is calling us from um, Bay Village. Diane, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Nice to, nice to talk to you again. Good to um, have you back. Second, first of all, first of all, if um, the congressmen and senators don't get to read this bill cover to cover... They should stall until they're able to. That's the first thing. But second of all, when have the have the have the Democrats ever convinced anybody that they're trustworthy? I don't think that that's the right thing to do. And I don't. And furthermore, five thousand. Well, I I don't don't trust that. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Dan. What did you mean by that part? You said that when have they proven to be trustworthy? They never have. What, What are we what are we talking about here? What are you trying to? What would you be asking? Okay, the the homosexuals in the uh, Hart Senate building, they videoed themselves having sex in the hearing room of the Senate. They're defiling that room, and the judge on that person said, well, they're not cooperating, and we really don't have any evidence, so we're letting them go. Oh, so the Democrats can defile the Senate room, but on January 6th, which is a joke anyway, those people, some of them are still in solitary confinement. Are you kidding me? Right there. That's a perfect example. Well, now we know at least. You know, next time anybody storms into the Capitol, just start having sex, and then you'll be let go. I mean, so that's the bottom line. If the J6ers would have gone in there and started... Go ahead. No, if you're if you're Republican, you can have sex from the pillars if you want to, whatever you want to do. But if I mean uh, uh, a Democrat, if you're a Republican, I don't care. Even if you have the thought in your head, you're going to be put in solitary confinement. Yeah, you're exactly it, it right. Just, it, this just is not a good situation at all. So to trust the, the Democrats to write a correct bill, no. You're still 5,000 a day. You're still looking at over a million, close to 2 million people a year. Yeah, What's 1.8. The difference? That's 1.8. And that, right. by the way, according to the, other, according to the other thing that I heard from um, Lankford today, and they were questioned about, <clears throat> there is an emergency power or, or there's like a clause in this thing in which the president has to declare an emergency if we get to that. In other words, when the 5,000th person is processed on a given day or the 8,500th on, on a given day versus the rolling seven-day average, um, when that person crosses, it's not like automatically click, the, 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 um, the shutdown is invoked. Not at all. 
the president still has a right to say whether he thinks it's an emergency to use that at that point or not. So in other words, Biden could say, yeah, but you know what? We didn't have as many last week, so it's okay if we keep on going. So he still has all of the authority to just completely leave that border open. And they're trying to tell us that we're the ones getting in the way of border security because this this automatically shuts down the border. It's a joke. Exactly. And there are laws. There are laws on the books now for immigration and none of that is being adhered to. So what makes anybody think that this bill would be adhered to? Maybe they'll try to do make make it look good until the money goes over to Ukraine, which is baloney. You stop funding Ukraine, that war will stop. Too sweet. And second of all, third of all, a millionth of all, whatever, the people in Syria, Iraq, Iran, the way you handle that, you put all those guys on a massive plane and bring them home and defend this country. This is our priority, not Ukraine, not Russia, not Iraq. And if those people want to shoot themselves, blow themselves up, good. Go right ahead. That's your choice. Everybody makes a choice. But bring our soldiers home. Well, uh, Diane, great phone call again. I'm so glad you called us back. Thank you very much. Let's make this a regular occurrence. It's good to hear from you. Uh, And I concur, by the way. Um, But the problem is... Bringing them home doesn't help the problem if the policy isn't changed at the border. This is why they kept saying, oh, you know, Democrats saying, we're trying to fund more border security. You're saying you want border. We want more border patrol agents to be hired. But you heard them also say, here's what we want them to do. We want them to meet people at the border and welcome them in and help get them processed and caught and released so that they can go into the sanctuary city or not of whatever city that they choose. Border numbers of border security, just like troops, if we were to bring the troops home and say, let's protect our border, don't matter if the troops are given the wrong orders. If the orders are, if somebody claims asylum, we have to believe them. Let them in and let them go, and and we'll have their hearing in six years uh, to see whether or not they were telling the truth. If the policy changes and we're actually allowed to catch and repel and repatriate these people to their home countries, then I would say, let's do this. Hire more Border Patrol agents, bring some troops home, let's, uh, let's arm the border and the whole nine yards. If we were allowed to actually do what we should be doing, which is say, no, put up the freaking wall, put up the razor wire, do all of those things, and anybody who gets through it is immediately caught at gunpoint and turned back around and is marching right back in the opposite direction. If we did it that way, then I would say, absolutely, bring them home. But bringing them home. And, of course, bringing them home for another reason is so they're not in harm's way over there. I understand that, too. But we do have to have a military presence in the most volatile region of the world because if something happens in very, very short order, we don't need to be sending, um, you know, battalions of troops, uh, you know, from the United States to the Middle East when they can't be there for a period of days. We need to have them on the ground already. So we have to recognize the need there, too. John, you're next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Robert. Good morning. Uh, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? I am not. I am not. Yeah. I All mean, right. what, what I may do out of just, you know, sheer 
morbid curiosity if I'm in front of the TV that day, and I don't think I will be, to be honest with you, but if I am around and the TV is on, I might occasionally click over and see what the score is just out of curiosity, but I have no rooting interest. I don't give a rip. I don't like the Chiefs. I don't like the 49ers, and I don't like the NFL. So, um, <laughs> so, so you know what I mean? I mean, if my favorite team was in it, I would probably be very, you know, be very different. Like a lot of people, if our favorite teams were in it, we might even break our own rules and, and, and you know, turn something on. Uh, you know, it's like when the Indians made the playoffs uh, before, uh, you know, even though I was livid with Major League Baseball for what they did, I was interested in the outcome of the games because the Indians were in it. But, um, yeah, but, but no, uh, you know, obviously there's nothing to even make me break my own rule. Yeah, well, you know, I... Uh... Uh, the, the TV will not be on in our house uh, with it, but you know I have a friend, and he's going to be watching it whether I'm there or not. You know, mm-hmm. so I can well, rationalize a little bit. And, well, you know, here's you know. the other thing too. I mean, even if I did have the you know, uh, the temptation to turn it on because it's the Super Bowl. And I've been a football fan for my entire life, literally literally five decades. I've been a football fan and I used to use, I used to play football. My son plays football. Uh, I, I did sports radio with football. So if I was tempted to say, you know, this is my vice, this is my one vice. I'm going to go against my own principles here. I'm going to watch this game. They're going to screw it up for me anyway, by playing the black national anthem. So yeah. that would well, that would make me yeah. turn it. You know what I mean? I mean, they keep giving me more and more reasons to not even allow my temptation to get the best of me and to watch it when they're going to do that nonsense, where they're going to divide the country with a black national anthem, um, as if to say that black people aren't a part of the United States of America. And I and I mm-hmm. I just fundamentally am so outraged by that. I will not I will not participate. It's divisive, isn't it? That's their goal. Yeah, very divisive. All right, my friend. Uh-huh. Anything else? Okay. And that'll do it for today, Bob. Okay. Thank you, John. Thank I appreciate you. you. You got it. Yeah, I mean, it is it is literally that. It is an attempt to divide in what is already a divided country. And what I hate the most about that is that sports are the great equalizer. You know what I mean? I mean, when I played sports and this is even not even thinking about high school sports much less you know into my college years but when i was a, when i was growing up you played sports you played basketball at the local playgrounds i did and baseball and race was never even considered by any of us it was just there's ballers out there let's go I, I made an extraordinary amount of friends who are black or, or Hispanic and, and who were white because we were just ballers. My son's best friends are all black because he plays college football and he has a lot of black teammates and they're buddies because sports brings people together. You ever notice when they play basketball, it's shirts and skins. It's not dark skins versus light skins. It's 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 pickup ball or I, I mean sports is supposed to be the great unifier and it has been forever black teammates and white teammates and and, and hispanic teammates and and whatever their ethnicity and race are we're just like we all wear the same color uniform and that's the one that matters so here comes the super bowl and what are they going to do automatically we're not, you can't have all of this unity we got to have 
the national anthem for the white people and then the black national anthem for the black people. What? Every black person in America that I know is my brother because they're my they're, they're a fellow American. They're not part of a different country that needs its own anthem. They're a part of this country. So am I. I just hate it. I hate it. And the NFL, thank you for making sure to kill any temptation I may have had to peek in on that game on Sunday by playing that anthem or that ridiculous song that you're going to call a black man. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, hour number three is underway. It's eight minutes past 11 o'clock on this Monday. It's the fifth morning of the month of division in the year of our Lord, 2024. Great conversations already this morning with Congressman Jordan and also with Will Hild. We are out to Senator J.D. Vance. Wanted to get his thoughts on uh, the uh, bill that is going to be coming up for a vote very, very shortly uh, in the Senate. Uh, It has been pronounced DOA on uh, this House side of things by Speaker Mike Johnson, and uh, with good reason. Uh, one man who would like to have a vote on this, if it comes around next year, is Senate candidate Bernie Moreno, who joins us now on AM 1420, the answer with reaction to it. Uh, Bernie, it's good to have you back. How are you, sir? Uh, Bob, although I spent uh, last night reading 370 pages of garbage. Did you read? Bill, I read every word. It's wow. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Total and complete disgrace. This is exactly what this election is all about. This bill, if there's one bill that perfectly encapsulates what voters are being asked to choose in this primary, is do you want garbage like this that puts America last, or do you want somebody who's going to go there, stand up to leadership, and say, we're going to do the things that we say we're going to do, we're going to actually secure the border and put the interests of the United States first. This bill is exactly uh, emblematic of what's wrong with Washington, D.C. So I'm amazed, by the way, you could get through 370 pages of that kind of language in one day. I mean, that's not an easy read. All of the different sections and subsections and referrals back to previous sections and so forth, that's not an easy read. Um, I've given my best analysis of it this morning, but since you have much more detail on it, because I did not do that, what are some of the high or low lights, uh, Bernie? What are the biggest travesties in your mind? So number one, 68 billion dollars which is again more than a, uh, almost twice the budget of the state of ohio so 60 billion dollars for ukraine immediately and 500 million dollars to sec- to finish the wall over five years so understand that difference right 60 billion 
today half a billion dollars for our border wall, which the Border Patrol agents are desperately asking to be finished. That's number one. Number two, $300 million to fund the Ukrainian police. Not the police in Cleveland and Cincinnati and Columbus that are desperately behind uh, recruiting and dangerously low on staffing, but to, uh, to pay for the police department of a foreign country. $2 billion to non-government organizations that are the ones helping the drug cartels bring uh, illegal migrants to our borders. We're going to give them $2 billion more. We're going to pay for lawyers to help represent illegal immigrants in court at our expense, Bob. Right? Not, not lawyers that help uh, fight the, the justice system that's weaponizing itself against U.S. citizens, but, again, but to pay for illegal immigrants to have an asylum claim be heard. This is a travesty. It is so disgusting. It shows you how rotten D.C. is and how that's absolutely flushed out. Yeah, those are some really great examples of some of the, the rot in this, in this bill. Um, Senator Lankford, though, is trying to sell this on, you know, not being perfect. And, and I think everybody has said that, you know, everybody isn't going to get everything that they want, but that this will bring it under control to some extent. Um, and I was just talking to Jim Jordan about this this morning, Bernie Moreno, pointing out that we're averaging 250 to 300,000 a month over the course of the last six or seven months. So if we do that over the next 11 months until January of 2025, when new leadership can take over, um, we're talking about another 3 million people coming in illegally. Whereas Langford's, by, with, by Langford's reasoning, this would cap it, even though he wasn't even admitting to the 5,000 a day uh, provision, but it would cap it at, at roughly that at 1.8 million, and we'd be better off that way. How do you respond to that? Yeah, that's a that's a, uh, a fallacy. The bill gives Secretary Mayorkas and Biden the ability to waive all the provisions in the deal. So, so Biden has the ability today to stop what's happening. He could. He always has. In Mexico. Always has. Right. So the bill says the hiring of more agents, the processing speed, et cetera, the caps, all of that in the bill, Bob, can be waived by Mayorkas and Biden. So you're going to put the fox back in charge of the hen house, the very people who've allowed this invasion in this 370-page bill, they can throw it in a garbage can because it says right in the law, hey, if Mayorkas or Biden thinks that uh, we have to waive this for some reason, they can. It, all this is is a uh, victory, to a political victory for Biden to say, look, I stood up for the border. Uh, reelect me. I'm the guy who solved the problem when he, has, he caused the problem. Is, and he's not going to do anything about it. So I don't buy into, into Langford's thinking at all. Yeah, um, it's frustrating, obviously, because as Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson, said <clears throat> when asked yesterday on Meet the Press about this, um, how you can just dismiss it out of hand uh, without even having read it yet. Uh, and he said, you know, because we've already written our border bill. We wrote it nine months ago. It's been collecting dust on Chuck Schumer's desk. He won't even bring it up. He won't even look at it, much less bring it up for a vote there. So that's got to be the most aggravating thing. The Republicans are not sitting around and saying, you know, uh, we, we don't have an interest in this. We did something nine months ago, and they won't act on it. This HR two has all of the things that the Bi- that President Biden has the ability to do right now. He didn't even need HR two, quite frankly. But all it does is say, re- you know, restore the Remain in Mexico policy, end catch and release, uh, end the paroles, uh, and and uh, and of course finish the wall. I mean, all of those things were things that Trump started to do. We had the lowest. Um, 
number of uh, illegal entries we have had in about 45 years, and, and he undid all of those with the stroke of his pen on day one. All he has to do is do the same thing, but stroke the pen in a different direction on day now, you know, 300 or uh, uh, whatever the number is, 1,000 and, and, and whatnot. And that's the most aggravating thing is that there are answers out there and they don't want them. No, exactly. And, and you, you know, you said it on your broadcast. I say it. This is intentional. This isn't a failing policy, what's going on in the border. This is an intentional policy. Now, of course, moderate Republicans, squishy Republicans, Democrats say, oh, that's a right-wing conspiracy theory. Read the bill. They are normalizing illegal immigration. As you know, I've called for a very simple fix to our asylum policy. If you cross illegally, you forfeit your right for asylum and are immediately returned. You're not detained for 90 days. We're going to spend $1.3 billion if this bill were to pass, which it won't, on ankle bracelets, Bob. Ankle bracelets, $1.3 billion, $550 million for the wall. They want illegal immigration. This is intentional. They, that's why they're capping it, because they're, they, the reality is if they didn't want illegal immigration, they would go along with my idea. You cross illegally, you're immediately returned. You forfeit your right for asylum for life. If you cross legally through a port of entry, you don't come back into the country until your claim is heard. That stops all this asylum nonsense that's going on. But it's not what they want. They want to have these people come in. They've shipped them to 98% of the House districts in America. That's not by accident. They're, they want to allow them to be voters, and they think that these people who are here for government handouts and government subsidies will be their voters going forward. This is their plan. It's not complicated. This bill highlights that. I urge your listeners, read this bill. I know it's a lot, but understand the depth of the corruption in Washington, D.C. It is all over the 370 pages of this bill. We haven't even talked about, by the way, $60 billion to Ukraine to fund yet another endless war. What we should be doing is, is calling for peace and making certain that we end the killing of hundreds of thousands of Eastern Europeans. We'll come back to that. We're going to get there. We're talking to Bernie Moreno. He's a Senate candidate, of course. Huge primary fight with Frank LaRose and Matt Dolan that is coming up on March 19th. So Bernie is in full campaign mode, but he is also in full uh, response mode to this um, uh, Senate uh, monstrosity. So you, I like your idea, by the way. Anybody who comes in between ports of entry, comes here illegally, cannot claim asylum. You're automatically gone. Jim Jordan has a different one. His idea is just put this in any piece of legislation that is brought forward. No money can be used. No federal money can be used to process or release into the country any new migrants. Put it down just as simply as that. He said, if you put that in, stop admitting migrants seeking seeking asylum, um, it automatically crushes all of this. Um, What are your thoughts on that? No, I like it. I mean, for for certain, we shouldn't be paying. As as you may know, uh, the federal government, (laughs) our government, this corrupt government we have, gives these asylum seekers $2,200 a month for up to nine months, direct payments. They get free health insurance. They get free education. They get free housing. In New York City, they were giving them three meals a day. They complained about the meals, so now they're giving them gift cards so they can go out and buy their own meals. They treat these illegal migrants better than they treat American citizens, and that's what has to change, Bob. The people who go to Washington, D.C., the job that I'm seeking to represent the people of Ohio is to put the interest of Americans first. That shouldn't even be a question. That should be the top of the job description. But yet we send people down there that care more about foreign citizens because they get paid off. Let's be honest. They get paid off by special interest groups. That's how these guys make so much money uh, being congressmen or senators. 
uh, they're ripping us off, and we got to end it. Yeah, we we do. I, I completely concur. We're talking to to uh, Bernie Moreno, and the, what you just brought up about what they're doing in New York City too is just the most infuriating thing. I I posted about it last night. I think it was how many homeless and unemployable U.S. veterans who, when I say they're unemployable, it's because of their mental health and their PTSD and all of the things. And we know the number of there's 22 of them are killing themselves every day across this country. How many? Homeless veterans and Americans could $53 million feed. Um, they committed $53 million just only to the illegal migrants in the form of those $1,000 prepaid uh, debit, debit cards. And that's, as you said, on top of their free housing, on top of their free medical care, on top of their free education and everything else. Goes, it's just $1,000 in spending money. And like you said, it's because they're complaining that so many of them are of Hispanic origin and they were only getting, you know, the meals that they were getting were not Hispanic or to their liking. So, okay, here you go. Here's the cash. Go order out. Uh, door dash up or whatever Mexican food that you want or, or, or you know, whatever cuisine that you, that, that you like. How, how can they do that, Bernie? When there are American veterans, and I'm focusing on veterans, but just Americans in general, who would love to have a $53 million layout, uh, you know, uh, you know, portioned out to them to give them a little bit of an assistance. Well, I, I'm going to say something that's going to be harsh because these Mexican drug cartels are making $14, 20000000000 billion, we don't know. That's why it's such a big range just per year trafficking these migrants. How much money do you think from that billions of dollars? gets funneled into nonprofits that get funneled into corporations that then end up giving money to these candidates and supporting them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a terrible thing to say, Bob, but at the end of the day, I said it, as you know, over a year ago, this is flat-out treason against America, what these elected officials are doing. And again, this bill just highlights it. They are bought and paid for by special interest groups because all that these people care about is making money from the job and figuring out how they can get reelected. This is how disgusting and gross it is. And unless we open our eyes to that and realize if we keep sending these kinds of people that can be easily corrupted, that are the lapdogs for Senate leadership, to pass this kind of bill and call it a good bill. I want to say one thing real quick, because you said it earlier. They said, you know, Langford said, well, the bill's not perfect. That's the kind of, I want to say something, but I won't excuse that squishy, Rhino Republicans say when they pass bills like this, well, it's not perfect. Well, listen, a bad deal is absolutely worse than no deal at all. Anybody who's been in business knows that, but these guys don't, they don't care. They don't care about our citizens, Bob. They care about their own careers and their own bank accounts. That's the sick reality. At that, well, it is sick and it is reality. I believe you on both of those counts. We're talking to uh, Bernie Marino, Senate candidate for uh, uh, the Republican primary coming up on March 19th. Bernie, you brought up Ukraine, so let's hit that part of this. I'm so disgusted with the fact that we're even talking about these things in the same sentence. A Ukraine bill should be completely separate from a border bill. Our border security, national security, national sovereignty should not be contingent upon defending somebody else's. Uh, and that's exactly what's going on, particularly Ukraine, because of the fact that there is no end in sight. There's no defined outcome of this. And in fact, Republicans and Democrats alike in Congress and in the Senate have said, as long as it takes, as much as it takes. And they don't even say to do what. Uh, so so there, there's $60 billion going there. And then uh, Speaker Johnson has put forth $17 billion going directly to Israel in a standalone bill. 
Why can't we get all of those three things separated? Why can't we have a Ukraine bill a vote, a, an Israel bill vote, and, a, and a, 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 we don't even need a bill, honestly, because we know what the Immigration and Nationality Act says, that Biden can do this all automatically. But if they want to write a bill, fine, and have that one separate for our own border. Because they do this. This is the game. They do it to give each other cover. This, this is where the term, it's not a perfect bill, comes from. I've heard my opponent, Matt Dolan, say this many times. You know, it's not a perfect bill. That's that's the game. They 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 want to be able to sit in front of you on a radio show like this and say, yeah, it wasn't a perfect bill, but we had to secure our border. That's why I voted for this. The reality is the honest way to do it is let's have a, a very vigorous debate on these three topics separately. The border is very simple. That's very simple. I, we just laid that out. Ukraine is also very simple. We're not going to fund any more endless wars. Biden is incapable of prosecuting this war. We have to get to peace. Let's get to a settlement. Ukraine stays a sovereign nation, but we're going to end the killing. And Israel's also very easy. Israel is our number one ally. They're at the tip of the spear of the battle for Western civilization. The money that we give them isn't charity. We give them money. They massively improve our weapons. That, that R&D comes back to us in spades. And by the way, uh, this war, when they're done in Israel, they're going to come after us. So that is a clear, defined objective. Israel knows how to handle the aid. They're fully funded through 2028, but of course, they've had this situation since, since October 7th. We've got to replenish the weaponry. We have to make certain that the Israeli economy doesn't collapse, because again, Israel is our strong, strongest, fiercest ally. But again, to your point, three different conversations that deserve three different vigorous debates. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, I get so frustrated, too, with the other part of that. We're giving aid to Israel, which we should, and and material support for their self-defensive you know, measures that they have to take here. But at the same time, I think this bill includes, what, about $10 billion for Hamas. And it's not worded that way. It says, for Gaza, humanitarian aid. But we all know who is running Gaza. And we all know that anything that is directed to the Gaza civilians is being confiscated by Hamas and used for their own purposes. So we're, we're giving... American tax dollars to both sides of that fight in Gaza. You know, which is obviously insane. The reality is we should defund the U.N. In fact, I would love to see the U.N. get the hell out of New York City, sorry to say it that way, and put their headquarters in Gaza, because at the end of the day, that's where their heart is. And, and these organizations, Bob, have been co-opted by radical terrorists. Uh, we need to get out of all these world organizations that are ripping us off. They hate our country. Why are we giving... Money to organizations and countries that hate us, Bob. Does that even make sense to you? You and I work really hard. People listening to this show work really hard for the money, really hard. And when we write that check on April 15th, we expect that the government honors that hard work and uses our money in a way that benefits us. And instead, sending money to organizations and countries that hate us is just another sign of the corruption in D.C. that's got to end. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never been able to answer that question. It makes no sense whatsoever. We're talking to Bernie Moreno. Uh, Bernie, last thing, just since you're here, uh, any thoughts on the uh, retaliatory strikes we have taken uh, at various around-back uh, targets after the killing of those three American soldiers? How much more do you think we need to do to make our point? Well, the reality is none of that would have happened if they had any respect or fear of us. Let's be honest. They don't respect us. They right. don't fear us, Right. But here's the other thing. They, they made these attacks. They've killed these Americans. By the way, it's not reported at all, basically. I mean, you obviously talk about it, but you don't hear that on CNN, on ABC, on CBS, nothing, right? American soldiers being killed. But the retaliatory strike happened days afterwards, gave all the terrorists plenty of time to get out of the way so that they didn't 
suffer any casualties when we uh, struck back as weak as humanly possible. So this administration's weak. Uh, they, they are absolutely, totally disrespected uh, universally across the entire spectrum. And they've put this country in grave danger. I mean, January of 2025 can't get uh, there soon enough. And I urge your listeners, Bob, read this bill. Get engaged. This primary is in six weeks. We need to show at the ballot box a total and complete rejection of this globalist agenda. And we need to get patriots that vote on March 19th to put America first. That's what it's all about. Uh, Bernie Marino, terrific uh, analysis. I really appreciate it. You sound like a senator. You sound like you're getting ready for this thing. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do between now and the 19th, and Ohioans are going to have to make up their minds. But I really appreciate this. By the way, speaking of senators, any contact with Senator Vance? I know he's endorsed your campaign. Uh, any contact with him about this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he's uh, been all over this. He's, uh, he's going to make sure that we rally the support to make sure this thing doesn't even get anywhere in the Senate, the House, and the President, because it's not going to happen in the Senate. Got it. All right, Bernie Moreno, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for the response. All right, there you go. That's Bernie Moreno. It's 1127. That's going to wrap uh, the conversations with our guests today. But righty, it is 1134, final segment of the broadcast for this Monday morning. Appreciate you being with us. 216-901-0945. 888 is the number to call if you've got something to say. So, um... Seth and I were just talking off the air about the Grammys last night because one of us watched the Grammys last night. I'll let you think about it for yourself to figure out which one of us it is. But, Seth, how'd you like it? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I watched a little bit of it. Uh-huh. A little bit of it. A little bit. How much is it? a little bit of it? Uh, probably about an hour. hour. I don't know. You watched an hour of a bunch of the most freaky... Left-wing, anti-Semitic. I heard one of them actually. I saw in a tweet this morning said uh, "ceasefire now" or something up there during some presentation or another. I don't know who or what, but but these these anti-American, anti-Semitic, racist, DEI-supporting, um, Trump-hating, family-hating, transing, uh, supportive freak shows. You watch them for an hour an hour well i'll be honest with you it was a total train wreck just like you said it was exactly everything that you said so it wasn't great and then i was wondering how all the celebrities got there in the rainstorm that they're getting in california um so you watched it for an hour to figure out how they got there i mean i wanted to see you know if the rain is that bad because it's a rainstorm let's be honest we live in cleveland we get more than a rainstorm and uh how taylor swift and all those guys were able to, to get to the arena so football fans who who cannot stand the fact that taylor swift has invaded their territory because she's being shown on tv all the time during chiefs games and people are livid because you know what you take your little pop starlet self someplace else this is football time we don't need to see you you not only see her when you're watching football because you still watch football you sought her out on a sunday night at the grammys i will say she actually looked very beautiful but uh, they also showed her 412 times during the the grammys Mm dude so in other words you were happy well i mean if you see a beautiful woman aren't you generally happy Seth, your like your 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 obsession with celebrities is something we're going to have to explore on a future program. 
We're okay. going to have to explore your 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 infatuation with celebrities. Your 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 embracing. You're like my wife. You you should sit and watch. My wife watches all this crap too, and I cannot stand it. Uh, but it's understandable to an extent because, well, she's my wife. She's a chick. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to have to explore it. We might need to. I'm going to ask you to book. <clears throat> A guest. We're going to be looking for a psychologist or somebody that can can help us explore the depth of your strange obsession with celebrities like this, the musicians, the actors, and the people that we make fun of all the time on this program uh, that you actually like. And uh, and we might have to psychoanalyze you on the air. Would I, you be willing to do that? I'd be absolutely willing to do that. But I think it's because I, I like to see how the other half lives. Hmm. You think that's what it is? Well, because I think it's, you know... Me personally, I'm not a big fan of you know the, their lifestyle, but, but mm. it is interesting to, to see how what's they your, do. It. What's your favorite show? Uh, the Bachelor. Mm. Bachelor. Mm. What half is that that you watch about how they live? Well, the female half is what I generally watch on The Bachelor. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's both directions. Well, I mean, it, oh, yeah, bachelors I do, and bachelorettes. I, you I have one that. chick making out with twenty five different guys on different days, and then yeah. eventually doing other things as they as she whittles it down and then calls it love well, somehow. It, it and you have the other way around. You have guys doing the same thing, right? And you're you're you like that. It's a journey for love. That's <clears> what I'm interested in. Yes, journey, the journey, the journey to love. How many how many episodes of The Bachelor have you missed? Or have you uh, watched? Not, I'm sorry, not episodes, beg your pardon. How many seasons have you missed? Uh, I think two out of, uh, like, 20. Yeah, I, I missed two so That's seasons. a lot. That's a lot of bacheloring. That is a lot of bacheloring. Yes. And so you're dedicated. You're going to watch every season that comes up. I just watched The Golden Bachelor, which is fantastic. So you watch The Golden Bachelor? Do you watch The Bachelor in Paradise, too? Oh, yes. That's very salacious. The yes. only reason I know those exist, again, is because my wife, you would get along very well with her. She watches these things, too. Well, it's I funny. Am, I uh, used to text with all the, the wives and people I worked with as we watched The Bachelor together. I spend those nights um, uh, locked into my home studio uh, where I do work and other things because I cannot allow that stuff to pass in front of my eyes without saying something that's going to start a fight with my wife. Um, I consider it show prep, if you will. So, So I'm ready to Take this to the next level for you. Okay. If, no, when, not if, because I can see the trends and I can see the way things are. Um, when they bring the first gay bachelor to the wow. airwaves, wow. where you have a male weeding out 25 other males. And doing their on-screen PDAs and make-out sessions and sexual innuendos and talking about their attraction for one another, you do know that this is coming, right? Yes, I'm aware that, that it will is not. Be it's not possible in this time where everything LGBT is being just force-fed to the American people in the American schools in the American. Uh, culture, it's just simply not even a question that this is coming sooner rather than later. Yes. Will you be watching? Um, you want the true answer? The true answer is no. However, I did come up with an idea for the show that I would watch in that regard. Mm-hmm. If they had a woman on who was actually a trans man, but dressed as a woman, and then there were 25 guys who thought that she was a woman... And then they fell in love with her, him, him, her. 
then they do a reveal at the end of the show to see how the men would react. I think that would be a hell of a show. That's called the Jerry Springer show. They won't do that. That would be great, though. They won't do that, no, because they don't want to make fun of a situation like this, no. What they will do, though, is have the trans bachelorette or trans bachelor and have people know exactly and they'll have a whole bunch of other non-binaries and, and whatever other weird oddities that they want to come up with with their self-identities, and they'll have one of those, too. Well, I'm a traditionalist. I do believe in a man and a woman getting married. That's, I mean, hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, but yes. But 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 will you watch it, though? Will you allow Hollywood to entertain you with another one of these bizarre, you know, non-reality? I mean, because, you know, it's, what's weird is they call it reality television. They call it reality television, and I can't stand the fact be, that fact because there is nothing real about it. Nobody has ever started dating 25 different people at the same time and on different nights went with different ones and all of them knew about each other and were cool with it. It's not reality at all. There's nothing real about it. It's just it's 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 ridiculous, salacious, scripted shows. I can't stand it. Um, and, and, and the fact that the fact that they're pushing it further and further and further, and you know that next one is coming here, and the only reason it's coming here is because of people like you, your wife, and my wife. I might watch the female version. So you'd watch the lesbian <laughs> bachelorette? Well, I mean, if I have to choose, that's where I would probably go. Well, no, you don't get to choose. You watch them all. You watch Bachelors in Paradise. You watch Bachelors. You watch Bachelorettes. You watch The Golden Bachelor. You watch all. Right? Yeah, I do. Okay. So, well, there you go. Well, so, uh, so, for so entertainment you, purposes only, I might have to watch everything. You find that entertaining, do you? Okay, we're just learning a lot more about you, and this is all well, going to be yeah. this is all going to be very important subject matter for the psychologist that we hired to psychoanalyze you on live radio right. uh, to to figure out. Yes. I mean, it's important. I mean, uh, and, and and it's very good. So there you go. So Seth, our uh, our our illustrious producer and board operator, uh, is uh, is 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 all in. He's all in on all things bachelor. He's all in on all things award shows, and he works for a conservative radio show. The purpose is only show prep for this. Show prep for this. But outside of now, me making fun of you, when has this ever come up? When have the Grammys ever been a topic of discussion on the show that you would have needed to have watched it? Well, that's I'm here to add content, so I'm going to try. To I do did that. see an, I did see a tweet this morning or two or ten about somebody being arrested at the Grammys last night. Somebody named Killer Mike, which is a hell of a hell of an interesting name for a for a musician. But somebody named Killer Mike got arrested after he got off the stage last night. What happened? I I don't know. I didn't see that part. You watched it. You said you watched it for the see, purposes of of show prep I didn't and see for the that show particular parts. What? Yeah. So the one thing that's a news item, because if you look at, at Twitter right now, it's all over the place that Killer Mike got arrested, but Will Smith didn't, because Will Smith at the Oscars slapped Chris Rock across the face and then just got up to accept his award and had a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.